Black Clock Audio Tales is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com. Embrace winter with a pair of Dino Sound Slippers from BunnySlippers.com. They're soft. They're cool. They make sounds when you walk around. If sound making slippers aren't your things, if you want slippers that keep your feet warm, they've got slippers you can plug into USB ports, slippers you can microwave, and slippers that just keep your feet warm because they're fuzzy and novelty. If there's a character that you like, they probably got a slipper for it. If there's an animal that you like, they probably got a slipper for it. BunnySlippers.com. It's not just bunny slippers. Or a warehouse for Chris Knight cosplay. For all the real genius fans out there. Black Clock Audio Tales is a daily podcast that, gosh darn it, for the last week we've been bringing you about an hour and a half, two hours in some cases, uh, Wuthering Heights. Out on the moors, out up to no good, making other people miserable. Heathcliff and Catherine, wrecking stuff. Well, we're going to talk to Ken Height, and Ken Height's going to talk to us about Wuthering Heights. So here we go, and if you want to support the show, please go to pgttcm.com. Become a member of our beer cult, or our t-shirt cult, or our advert cult. Help support the show. Keep the lights on and the equipment working. All right. Ken Height, after this word from Monster Kid Radio. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here, your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to the discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Welcome back to Black Clock Audio Tales, and this week for Bronte, 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 we are doing Withering Heights, and with us we have not Dr. Andrew Grace, but Ken Height talking about Withering Heights, and we won't even make him sing that Kate Bush song, so... Thank God. <laughs> How's it going, Ken? It is, it is your audience that is the that is the uh, winners in this, not oh. anyone else. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's going great. Um, always good to uh, come on and talk. This is sort of out of my area, except that I love the novel so much, and I think it's such a great example of the gothic and such a great uh, example of the demonic, really, in fiction that, you know, when people talk about it as a love story, I'm like... Are we even reading the same book? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's a love story in that it's a weird, horrible story. But really? That's what that was your first takeaway. Hmm, was love. Weird choice. 
Yeah, I, I, I really feel that there's really no good love story in the gothic tradition, and the gothic tradition is a lot of examples of bad relationships, whether it be uh, Heathcliff and Catherine, whether it be Nina and uh, Dracula, whether it be uh, Victor and his creature. <laughs> Or Victor and poor Elizabeth, God bless her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, or maybe I'm just, like, just listing all of the bad relationships yeah. so far. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess part is that a good relationship is not super exciting. Very true. I mean, it, it's exciting when you're in it, but it's not exciting to hear about. You know, people are like, hey, Ken, how's, how's Sheila? She's great. There. That's not really a gothic <laughs> novel, is it? No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the and, yeah, so... Reading about people having horrible lives makes for better story and can make for better literature if you're um, uh, Emily Bronte. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't, I mean, even Jane Eyre, mm -hmm. which I think is a much more conventional romance and which is one of my wife's favorite novels ever, there's a, that's a problematic relationship as we would say on the Twitters. Yeah. That's not a good look, Mr. Rochester and his crazy <laughs> wife and his governess, who he is making very inappropriate approaches to. Um, it's that's a that's a that's a bad situation all the way around. Um, and um, you know, uh, uh, Rebecca by Daphne Du Maurier. That's another very bad relationship that you don't want anyone to be in. Uh, but they just make better stories, and they certainly make better gothics. I think that you're right that. The part of it is that the classic Gothic has such insipid characters mm -hmm. because they're not really the point that you can't imagine a good relationship for anyone. Yeah. Because who cares? It's going to be like, oh, my hamsters are friends. All right, fine. Um, <laughs> but in in this, uh, Emily Bronte solves the problem by making both parts of the relationship bug nuts and yeah. damaged and bad and horrible. And I think to sort of get it out there that we are meant to understand or maybe not understand consciously, but definitely read subconsciously uh, that Heathcliff is a devil or a demon mm -hmm. or a color of space or yeah. something. Heathcliff is bad news. And in every way she signals that. And she talks about how he's an adopted homeless boy mm -hmm. and he's a dark skinned gypsy in aspect. And those are war those are warning words. Oh, yeah. You're reading something in 1847. This is not, oh, thank goodness, we're doing outreach uh, to the troubled youths. This is, oh, you are going to regret that. <laughs> I mean, you practically, he just needs horns and a tail to be clearer. Yes. And, and he, he's like, you know, Damien in The Omen. Everything that he does is this sort of, you know, uh, and, and it, it does help that... Uh, um, uh, uh, everyone he ever deals with is an idiot, right? Yeah. That um, uh, uh, Hindley is is a, is a chucklehead. Um, that uh, Edgar is a goof. I mean, that Heathcliff is very much the smartest guy in the room mm -hmm. the whole time. But in a lot of ways, um, part of the weakness and corruption that you see in that family can be drawn symbolically to Heathcliff's presence. Yeah. And in some cases, it's straight out due to his machinations or his psychological uh, uh, undermining that the character's weak points become apparent. And I think one of the interesting things 
about that, that helps my argument mm-hmm. is that the whole novel is told from at least one and usually two different uh, uh, two, re- two removed viewpoints. So it's Lockwood hearing the story from old Nellie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so we are two layers away from the truth. So when you think of Nellie Dean as watching this happen, you know, maybe Heathcliff does have horns and a tail and she just refuses to admit it. Hmm. Because she's as fascinated with Heathcliff as everybody is. Maybe Heathcliff is overtly demonic. It's, it's very, it's a very Mackin story and it's and maybe it's just because it sort of takes place in these, um, uh, in, in these sort of moors and, and wilds and fens that, that I associate with Mackin fiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also I think it's because there's this sort of weird white people-y outside guy who just shows up and ruins everything. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Catherine deserves every minute of it. They, they had no point, and that's one of the great things about this novel, is that there's no point at which Catherine, you know, even when she's thinking, oh, should I be good like Edgar? You're like, you're never are going to be good like Edgar. Just give it up. You're awful. You were born bad. You're you're a, you're a Kardashian. You're a problem child. Um, and her, um, uh, and, and even when she, you know, marries uh, Edgar, it's just obviously going to destroy Edgar and not fix her at all. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so, in a way, you're sort of rooting for these two crazy kids to get together. And in another way, it's like, is this going to be plutonium? <laughs> right? Did we make a critical mass if Catherine and, and Heathcliff get together? Is 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 the whole south of England going to be sleeting with demonic alpha radiation now because of this weird connection? But we don't know because we have to look through Nellie Dean's eyes and Nellie Dean is written to be so conventional and so boring and so uh, sort of old and timorous and nothing that the novel is about that the fact that it's her eyes we're reading through is is maybe one of the greatest things about this novel, right? That Emily Bronte is not just telling us the story. She's very clearly telling us a version of the story and a version that someone is looking at kind of through their through their you know uh, they've got their fingers over their eyes and they're sort of peeking through like it's a horror movie and even uh, you know that literally happens that they're peeking in the windows of this story and it's, it's very much it's not about voyeurism it's about sort of being terrified to look away it's like a car crash hmm. right I mean, yeah am i off base is this no 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 <laughs> It's 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 like you, I I hope they get together just so they leave everyone else alone. <laughs> yes, there's a there's a great uh, line um, uh, that that someone said about uh, Thomas Carlyle was that it's a good thing that he married Mrs. Carlyle and made two people miserable instead of four. <laughs> and I used to think that was what Oscar Wilde said about Henry James, and it turned out it was blackguarding Henry James. So yeah, yeah. it's Thomas Carlyle that has a crazy wife. Uh, and is also himself a job of work, but yeah, the, I mean, when you when you when you read it and people are like, oh, this is all about social class. It's like, well, it's not a, it's not not about social class, yeah. in that it's an English novel, mm-hmm. but really all about social class. It's like saying Dracula is all about social class. It yeah. is, right? It's about bourgeois heroes defeating an aristocrat, yeah, and foreigner. It's very much about the rise of the new woman, but it's kind of also about a vampire. <laughs> Yeah. Right? It's about a guy that drinks your blood and, and, and lives forever. I think that this is, yes, it's about, you know, hypocrisy and it's about 
gender and it's about all the other things that people want it to be about but I think mostly it's about a demon mm -hmm. a, a very bad boy named Heathcliff yeah yeah I mean what's what's your take do you do you read Wuthering Heights as, and I mean obviously you're putting it on a monster podcast so no but uh, do you read it as a as a naturalist novel? Do you read it no, as no, 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 no? I, 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 I see it. I, I see it as assholes being assholes to assholves. I see it yeah. as like um, it's, but that's a natural novel. I think that's pretty much everything that George Gissing wrote. Isn't oh, it? yo, no, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, it's I, I have it in here because of the fact that it's uh, uh, gothic uh, literature, and that's just one of the things I like to throw in here. But yeah, right, no, right. no, I don't, I don't see it as like these are like. These, I've always thought of like Heathcliff as like a fawn of some sort, or like some sort of like changeling or something like that. He's not a natural thing, and he brings right. this this darkness with him. It's like maybe the moors would be a nicer place. Maybe things wouldn't be so terrible and wild if Heathcliff wasn't there with his weird gypsy energy, like making everything terrible. <laughs> but it's like right. as you say, Catherine's no great awesome person herself she's like that kind of like awful girl in your like elementary school class that you think yeah. you know if she just like went to another classroom everyone would just be happy yeah <laughs> i mean and, and and i'm not the only person here i mean there's feminist scholars have very much connected weathering heights to the gothic which i think used to be controversial yeah um and then they've also said well, if you look at Catherine, if you give her agency and you don't look at her as sort of a, a, a Mina figure, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then, yeah, she's, like you say, she's just as awful mm -hmm. and she's just as vampiric, in a way, as, as Heathcliff is. Yeah. Psychic and, vampires. Right, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the way that she basically, uh, yeah, I mean, the psychic vampire is exactly right, that she sort of drains Edgar and she drains everybody yeah. around her. Is, and that only Heathcliff is sort of the, the, the positive pole to her negative pole of the battery. And that them together creates this horrible, dysfunctional charge yeah. that, you know, endangers everyone around them. <laughs> and that and that if, if you want to make it about society, I guess you can say that if society knew what it was doing, it would have exiled them both to live on the moors as babies. Yeah. Like Eskimos, you know. <laughs> it, it was... It, it, the, the fact that society insists on tying property and social standing and all these other questions into it just ruins the life of everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Be because if you could have just thrown Catherine to the wolves and let Heathcliff chase after her, everything would be fine. But you can't do that in society. She needs a, a position and they need an income and they need the property to be not, you know, they, she needs the property. So the need to be within society is what destroys society. It's not so much that Heathcliff is here to eat his way through, you know, the, the uh, through Somerset or whatever place this is supposed to be set. Yeah. Um, it's that because Heathcliff lands in a society, the society's own uh, structures are corroded by touching him. And if society could just stop touching him, it would be great. Yeah. <laughs> But but with Wuthering Heights, yes. um, there's so much there's so much stuff going on. And again, I'm not the only person. I find uh, that uh, Dante Gabriel Rossetti mm -hmm. uh, said the book is the action is laid in hell. <laughs> he is not wrong. 
Yes. Yeah. It only seems that everyone has English names in hell, <laughs> which may have just been being half Italian and living in Italy in, yeah. in England. But um, uh, oh my God, can you imagine being Dante Gabriel Rossetti and having to eat English food every day? <laughs> that would be hell. Yes. But the but but anyway, Wuthering Heights is um uh, is 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 got all kind of stuff going on, and it, it and of course it's a gothic because the weather is such an important part just mm-hmm. by itself. Mm-hmm. Which is a is a, is a sign of, of gothicness uh, that literally tempestuous emotions are are there reflecting uh, both Heathcliff's action and reflecting the the uh, setting of the book. Um, yeah, it, the argument that it's not a gothic would be to me a a, a very weird argument to make. Okay. So I'm I'm a thousand percent with you that this is a gothic. All right. I have a kind of a stranger question. Uh, ha- poof. Do you think that you could turn Weathering Heights into an RPG? Yes. Oh, okay. Very easily. <laughs> okay. How would one I mean, go about doing that? And... First of all, you could just do it straight up as a LARP. Okay. You pick one of the scenes that has a bunch of characters, set everybody at it, someone is Heathcliff, they get a point every time someone collapses in tears, go. And then <laughs> that would be great as a LARP. As an RPG... You would do it as um, possibly, you know, uh, looking into looking into uh, the the activity. You know, you're a you're a, a monster hunter, and you've come across it. Like maybe you're like an M.R. James protagonist, mm-hmm. and you're you know trying to trace a, a book, and you and you wind up at Wuthering Heights, and you have to discover what's going on with Heathcliff and Catherine, and um, uh, and uh, you you track some hideous. Uh, uh, approach to to their uh, to their life, or uh, you could uh, borrow the Owl Service by Alan Gardner mm-hmm. um, and have the same pattern restart again with this new family that just lives in the cottage, huh. and they don't know why they're suddenly being trapped in this you know state of misery. It's because they live in Wuthering Heights and it's haunted by the presence of Catherine and Heathcliff. And so you have to exorcise that somehow, either from within, everyone plays the new family, but you're also, you know, uh, Edgar or Catherine or uh, Isabella or whoever. Um, Or you're playing it as the outside investigator who has to figure out, oh, right, these guys are Wuthering Heights. That means we have to find Catherine and Heathcliff, dig up their bodies and burn them or whatever. That's or at least separate them. That's pretty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's yeah. No, that's right, because because Heathcliff is buried next to Catherine, and then that turns out to be just enough <laughs> to cause problems. Just dig up Heathcliff and you know throw him in the ocean or something. Oh wow! I could I, I could see that definitely being like a a, a one shot in Call of Cthulhu where you're like yeah. Wait a minute. This doesn't have anything to do. This has something to do with ghosts. <laughs> Not one of these again. <laughs> right. Or you could, you know, make Heathcliff be, you know, one of the, you know, um, a, a, a thing like the great god Pan that was born out of, you know, a psychic experimentation. Or you could make him be one of the, uh, one of the white people from the tale of the white people. Yeah. Well, well, he he, he is a. A, a dark, goatish-looking young man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he could be a spawn of Yogg-Sothoth, which I totally buy, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 
And if if uh, Heathcliff is a spawn of Yag Sothoth, there's possibly a uh, a sibling out in the moors somewhere, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Stomping around, doing its thing. Yeah, interesting. Oh wow. Right. <laughs> and then maybe um, it is the ritual. I don't want to say ritual mating, but the ritual connection of Heathcliff and Catherine that keeps the uh, spawn quiescent. Hmm. And so, uh, because as long as the one spawn is like burning off all this energy with Catherine, either because she's of a Shabnagurath lineage or just because that's how he wants to spend his energy, mm -hmm. they can't get together and cleanse the earth the way that the, Dun the Dunwich boys wanted to. Yeah. So the, the invisible spawn is just sort of lurking out on the moors, eating people every now and again, but it's not doing anything. But if Heathcliff and Catherine are separated, that's when the spawn gets up to activities. Hmm. Or maybe uh, it's not a physical spawn and it's just this psychic energy spawn that just kind of like... Ruins everybody. Ruins everybody as opposed to destroying their houses. It's like, uh, it's attacking... Uh, there's there's no no Wilbur Fry being attacked at Coal Creek Glen. It's right. It's everyone's family. Anyone who comes in contact with Catherine. Yep. <laughs> or her children. Yeah. <laughs> so, is there any way to steer this ship back to uh, uh, <laughs> Wuthering Heights? I don't. Know. You're the. You're. It's your podcast, buddy. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just curious. All if, I do if... is answer at great length. Sure. That's yeah. All I ever do. Definitely. Um. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, you've you've read you've read the you've read the novel, yeah. um, probably more recently than I have. What's what's what what are your what are your big takeaways uh, from it? Besides, oh my God, Ken, you're so right. You're right about everything. Pretty much, Ken, Ken, you're right about everything. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's an awful about horrible people, and there is like a supernatural element to it, even though, I mean, it's like. Is there supposed to be a supernatural element? It's like, I can't really tell if, like, I don't know. I've, I've always wondered if that's, like, supposed to be something that we're supposed to kind of take away or if that's just kind of, like, just because the fact that if you read as much ghost stories and spookiness as you and I both have, you, ju you, you just go, wait a minute, is there supposed to be... <laughs> it's like reading the great guy or uh reading f scott fitzgerald and being like wait a minute there's no occult presence in this at all what's going on <laughs> how, how do you even write a book like that yeah <laughs> although uh, molly tanzer apparently has put an occult presence into the great gatsby with her um uh creatures of wanton ruin so oh, nice nothing nice. is impossible i'm gonna have to have and her there, on <laughs> and there's oh you absolutely should have molly on she's amazing uh -huh. um and uh, and well, isn't there an adventure called Gatsby and the Great Race? Yes, there is. I believe there is. Yeah. yeah. So that's fun. Um, there's nothing you can't get the mythos all over. Oh yeah, definitely. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know anything really about the Brontes mm -hmm. per se, except they lived in that miserable parsonage and had to deal with their stupid brother. Sure. Um. Uh, but I don't know if Emily Bronte was a big fan of ghosts. I don't know if Emily Bronte thought she was writing a normal family story because her family was so fucked up. Yeah. I don't know anything about the creation of this book. I read um, a critical edition, mm -hmm. and all the critics, to me, seemed so weirdly wrongheaded. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I mean, again, they point out things like the, the use of language and the, and the characters mirroring each other and all kinds of good stuff like that, but they're all, like, intensely in, insistent on reading it in a non... What do I want to say? Not, maybe not non-supernatural, but a way, a non-Gothic way. Sure. And to me, that was like, that's such a weird way to do it. it it's like if you read Frankenstein just as science fiction. Yeah, okay. It's like... Well, it is science fiction. You're not wrong. Mm -hmm. But did you notice he was built out of corpses and it's a creepy gothic? <laughs> <laughs> and then so the the, uh, the 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 critical edition that I read was um, very much dealing with the, the characters as human types and, uh, as, uh, and the romance, as romances. Okay. And again, yeah, Emily Bronte is a great novelist. It's a great novel. Um, those characters are not cartoons. Um, you recognize bad behavior of, of the part of why it works so well, kind of like Stephen King, is that you recognize the human responses as the kind of responses human beings would have. Yeah. Right? And that, that's part of the genius of only showing Heathcliff through these, you know, two or three different viewpoints is that you never really look into Heathcliff and, and have a moment where Heathcliff is like writing in his diary, today I'm going to ruin Edgar Linton. Yeah. Right? Um, you just sort of find out that he's doing it and all kinds of motives are imputed to him, but there's never a point at which you are inside Heathcliff. In the same way that you're never inside Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, so, but, but I have no idea. Uh, have you read anything about um, Emily Bronte that uh, might indicate what she thought she was doing? Oh, man. I just know that uh, she just grew up a fairly religious uh, school, awful childhood, awful siblings, awful parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, drank, like, my favorite thing is uh, the fact that, like, the family drank grave water because of the way that every the water drained, like, industrial... Uh, mill gray, uh, oh, like pre-industrial mill gray water, grave water is what the family's well pretty much consisted of, and I don't know. I I think that has something to do with it. If you don't believe in ghosts, you know, it has something yeah. to do with it. If you do believe in ghosts, man, that's a lot of ghost water. <laughs> right, that's a lot of ghost water. I think I remember hearing that Tim Powers has kept trying to write a novel about the Brontes forever, and yeah. is never quite figured out how to get around it but yeah if they're living on a more drinking ghost water um i think that's probably it oh yeah <laughs> um uh and then uh she she uh she dies of tb which i guess is sort of vampire yeah um and sort of oe uh but uh yeah that i i just have no idea that you know what she thought she was doing and um she you know, I, I guess that's the way that we have with the Brontes is that they were not, I mean, they, they make Jane Austen look like um, uh, a gadabout. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, they, no, they, um, yeah, they, they didn't really live all that long. They weren't all that written of. And, I mean, I know there's other podcasts and books out there that can really go into their life and stuff like that. But that's not this podcast. I mean. No. This is no. not that podcast. No, we want to talk about... And uh, I apologize for asking. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I think we've done a pretty good job of uh, talking about the spookiness of, uh, of Wuthering Heights. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ken, thank you for coming on and talking about uh, your personal theories about Wuthering Heights and uh, informing us how we could uh, play it as a role-playing game or yep, introduce yep. it into our own role-playing games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just such a... You know, when I read it, I was just amazed. How has no one told me that there was an Arthur Mackin novel written before he was born about uh, uh, about a crazy, you know, uh, demonic love affair? What's yeah. going on there? Yeah. And, <laughs> and then all the reviewers were like, "Well, I I don't much approve of that of that relationship." It's like, well, yeah, that's yeah. what the novel's about, yeah. dummies. <laughs> we, we still, I think, can't look away, you know, uh, critically from from the weird messed up relationship between uh, Heathcliff and Catherine and sort of say what's going on with the book though? Yeah. And I think maybe that's just me. I'm sure there's reams of criticism about the Brontes and no more than you did I do any work. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah let's just assume that someone out there has, has read the Brontes, has read um, uh, Wuthering Heights as a, as a Mackin story and say go find them and read them and they're probably right. Oh yeah. Yeah, but you know, this is a maybe maybe a, a call to arms to people. Write write uh, write your papers, write your books about how uh, I don't know how <laughs> Bronte yeah. sisters stories are spooky uh, gothic stories. How uh, Wuthering Heights is a pre Mac and Mac and whatnot. Yeah, and it's really <laughs> short, right? It's not a big novel. No, no, no. I mean, you can read it in a day or, or two days. Yeah, I was it's, able to it's, it's fit it into a, it's one week. It's not like reading so. Melmoth the Wanderer or whatever. Yeah. Where yeah. you're just going to be, you know, living with that night nightmare thing. But oh, yeah. No, you read Wuthering Heights, it's, it's snappy. Mm-hmm. It zooms by. Yeah, no, as, as editing for audio goes, it was so snappy compared to Mary Shelley's three volumes of... The Last Man. Yeah, well, which, that was the choice you made. Well, I know. Whoa. Yeah, well, I got it out of the way. Don't have to do it mm-hmm. in years from now when I'm like, oh, man, I need something with Mary Shelley. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have someone fancy read Frankenstein. <laughs> there you go. That's what you can do. All right. Well, Ken, thank you again so much for being on Black Clock Audio Tales special 20-something, I think. I don't know. But thank you again for talking, uh, talking Wuthering Heights, and we'll have you on again sometime soon to talk about something spooky or role-playing game-related, I'm sure. All right. I look forward to it, man. It's always great to come on. Oh, yeah. All right. And I'll see you at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Portland, yes, Oregon. Yes, you will. Or at and... the very least, just at the, um, uh, at the uh, social gathering at Sam's before we then see nothing of each other for the rest of the show. Definitely. And I think that should be next week when this drops. So, yeah, no. Um, All right. Calendar-wise, I'm at Oktoberfest right now. <laughs> right. Um, calendar-wise, I'm in Chicago getting ready to go to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. All right. Cool, cool. All right. All right. Well, we'll see you, Ken, and have yourself a good one. You too, man. All right. Bye.